0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Welcome to everybody who's watching online this morning. I appreciate you joining us for, uh, for our Sunday service. My name is Ty Weber. I'm going to start things off, and then uh Kevin will get up and and uh, talk to you a little bit later. Um, I want to uh first off one one announcement is i'm I'm going to be gone this week. I'm heading to the motherland to uh which is north by the way and uh, and uh so we won't have cowboy crew meeting on Wednesday night this week. Um, what I'm going to ask of the cowboy crew and, and anybody else who who wants to, to serve this week is is just go help somebody um, find somewhere to help. Uh, what, by whatever means they need it. Um, we've got a few options. Um, Kevin knows of a guy that, that needs some help moving. It, his wife is uh, not able to help him because of health reasons, so he needs some help. Um, so get with Kevin if you've got some time. Uh, Susie McKenzie comes to the first service. She's got a veterans program that she does, and she needs some help around her place. Um, you can contact me, and I can give you her number, and then... Jason Gardner is doing the uh, the kids camp out at the Long X Ranch this this coming week, um, and and you can ask him if if, if uh, you want to be involved in that. So thanks for all that. Thanks for your prayers for rain, and uh, we want to keep that coming. I see a lot of a little more optimism am- amongst the ranchers. Most of them come to the early service, but uh, their moods are a little better this week because of that. Um, so last week I I asked for prayers for a fella that. Uh, He's one of our own he's he's one of our church family craig carr he had a brain aneurysm and and was in the icu and and i just want to tell you that uh your prayers worked and and thank everybody he's doing really well and uh, i went up and visited him on thursday and he's doing he's doing great they had to hobble him because he wants out of there pretty bad he's he's got to be in the icu for a mandatory uh for man mandatory two weeks so he's got another week but he wants out of there pretty bad he keeps. They had to hobble him and then tie his arms down because he keeps coiling up all the cords and tubes like they're ropes. and And so he's he's the real deal. He cowboys for a living and does not like confinement. But uh, uh, the good news is he's he's healing well. And that that's what brings me to my talk for today, which is <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about healing and and about what Jesus taught about healing and and what the Bible says about healing. And uh, so I'm gonna just start off with with reading. A passage from Matthew 16, and it says, it's uh, Matthew 16:29. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were, were talking. The crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. So a large part of Jesus' ministry was, was healing. And uh, it was for a reason. He did that for a reason. And uh, at first, he he would heal people, but but tell tell the the recipients of his healing not to not to tell anybody about it. But of course, nobody could keep their mouth shut, so they they all had to had to talk about it. And the reason he didn't really want him to, to tell people is because he didn't want it to be just seen as uh, like some magician that was out there. Uh, he he had a <coughs> he had a bigger mission in his life, um, which was. Going to be revealed later, but he but he was trying to he was he started healing people to show that he had God's power and that and that he could do that if he so chose to do it, and he also showed his true nature, which was uh, a compassionate uh, Christ, and and he didn't like to pe- see people suffer, so he healed them, and so there's there's two or three things that that struck me when I did my Bible study on on. Jesus' ministry and his healing, and, and the first one is in this passage, and and he talks about, it says, that, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, and those who couldn't speak. <clears throat> those people couldn't come to Jesus on their own, because they, for health reasons, they couldn't. So, so their friends and their family brought them to him, and that's the way it is with us today. We're charged with doing the same thing. Um, a lot of people are spiritually lame, spiritually sick. Um, but they they don't know Jesus and they need to be brought to him to be healed and that's our job as friends and family is to bring them we can't do the healing but we can we can initiate the handshake with Jesus and say and and help them cuz that's the only way that that they're going to th- that they're ever going to be healed and that that was Jesus' real mission he healed people's physical sickness but his real mission was to heal our, our spiritual sickness cuz our our body has an has a expiration date. It's only going to last so long. Even though modern medicine and, and the movie stars, you know, are filling themselves with everything they can think of to, to look younger, um, we're still going to die. But our soul doesn't have an expiration date. It, it lives forever. And so it's, it's way more important that our soul and our spirit be be healed and well than, than our physical body. Um, so that's what Jesus really came for, was for our spiritual health and that was, that's that's where um, his healing comes in. The other passage in this that struck me was was uh, they laid them before Jesus and he healed them all. He didn't heal just the ones that he felt like healing. He didn't just heal the ones that had said their prayers. He didn't heal just the ones that you know had had done their sacrifices. He healed all of them, um, and so that's available for all of us, and uh, we're all worthy of that. People think, well, you know, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm so wretched that that I don't deserve that. Well, Jesus thinks otherwise, and 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 He will heal all of us um, if if we ask Him to. You have to ask Him to. Um, and the third, so the third, the third aspect of of the healing was, if you, I'm, I'm not going to read all the passages, but if you read through the Gospels about all the the healing work that Jesus did, one main theme happens when He healed somebody, He'd tell them, you know, get up and walk, or or open your eyes and you'll see, or go do this. And he said, you're healed because of your faith. And it's still true. We're healed because of our faith. And our faith is something that we have to work on each and every day. Um, if if we want our spirit to be intact, be strong, um, if we want our soul to be uh, without sickness, then we have to have faith. And we have to ask Jesus through that faith, and, and he will heal us. Uh, it, he said he would. And so, <clears throat> we have a where I work. I I, I do some day work for a, a rancher that runs a bunch of yearling cattle, and we move those cattle three or four times a week. And those cattle travel a lot. They they're d- different pastures and they're moving a lot. And and so we uh, we have a what we call the sick pen for the for the sick ones. And it's not a pen; it's a pasture, and it's it's a really idyllic setting. It's it's a beautiful place. It's got a creek running through it. Uh, creek is spelled C R E E K. Just so you know, um, it's got a creek running through it, and it's got shade trees, and it's got tall green grass, and and all this is easily accessible. So, the, whenever we get a lame one or or one that's that's sick, you know, respiratory problems or anything, we we sort them off and we put them in basically the Garden of Eden, and they that's where they get to heal. They get to rest up. They don't have to do much but eat and drink and and heal up. And then once they're healed, we we pull them out of there and put them back with the rest. Um, when I think of going. Jesus for spiritual healing that's what I think of I think of that beautiful spot where we can go and and where it, where it's a um a place where where we can heal and and those cattle can't heal when they're out walking in the sun with no shade they can't heal when they're having to travel you know a quarter mile to water each time when they're having to forage for grass they don't get better but when they go to that spot where where it's peaceful and quiet and and you know everything's provided for' them, uh they heal right up so i I always envision that when I go to Jesus for my spiritual healing that, that that's it's a beautiful place to go and and it's the only place we can go to get that so let's pray, God thank you for today and for the moisture you've given us. just ask that you you help us find that that's beautiful spot with you lord and that, and that we could be healed both physically and spiritually. I know where a lot of us are beat up in this life and our bodies are beat up, and, and so, are, so is our soul. And, and we just need you, Lord, to, to come in and help us heal up and, and uh, keep on going. Just ask that you to be with this ministry and all that we do. And, you know, we, we have no idea what we're doing, but you do. And, and we just have to trust that and have faith in your direction. And, and as always, I pray for Kevin and his leadership and, and that the words that you speak through him will will hit open hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Uh, Welcome to Save the Cowboy. My name is Kevin Weatherby. I have told Ty that we've got to start doing that because we have thousands that watch online every single week and sometimes we forget that there are new people. So if you're new to Save the Cowboy, welcome. This is a sick pen for sinners. Like Ty was talking about, this is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints, okay? We're not here to parade ourselves. We're here to point you towards Christ, okay? We're not here to uh, do anything except teach you how to ride for the Lord. My dad is one of the greatest men i ever known, and he's addicted. He's an addict. He's an addict to coyote hunting, okay? That stuff, coy- hunting coyotes to my dad is like crack cocaine, okay? I mean, he is just a strung-out coyote-hunting addict. It doesn't matter if it's early in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's late at night. This man loves to coyote hunt, and the first time I remember going coyote hunting, I was probably about five years old that I remember going to. I'm not like some of y'all that can remember when you were born and stuff. I, I'm, I'm not one of those people, but the earliest I can remember, I was probably about five years old going coyote hunting, and if you don't know what I mean, in, in West Texas, the way most of the people do it is they go at night, and they have a spotlight, And they have a call, and it's not a duck call, it's a, usually we use jackrabbit or sometimes a bird or a cottontail, and it makes this horrible noise, sounds like, you know, a jackrabbit dying, and you can imagine that that's not a pleasant sound. And so the way you do it is you go out on a cold night with a a cloud cover, preferably, without a lot of wind, and you get out there, and you stand up in the back of the pickup, or this is the way we did it, and Dad would blow on this call. what, <laughs> You know, just for a long time, and then he'd, he'd quit, and he'd sit there for a second, and then he'd take his spotlight, and it had like this red lens on it because they can't see that red very well or at all. I'm not sure. But anyway, he'd shine it around, and boy, if there was a coyote out there, you'd see its eyes, and then we'd start using some different type of calls to bring it in, and then we'd shoot it and all of that stuff. But at five years old, that's a strange experience because there's three things that I don't really like. Number one, I don't like to be up at midnight or two o'clock in the morning. I'm kind of a when the sun goes down, so do I. When the sun comes up, so do I type person, and my dad would be out there at 2.45 in the morning. Isn't this great? And I'm like, no, take me home. You know, so I, I don't like to be up late. And, and number two, I don't like to be cold, okay? Now, it's different if we're working cattle, if we're doing something, but I assure you that you don't do something in the middle of the night with with, with it being 30 degrees in West Texas, and you're standing in the back of a pickup blowing on a call. <laughs> it, it, no. And it was a little bit scary, and when I was five years old, I got cold, and so I got inside the the truck, and I crawled down in the floorboard because I thought that might be uh, warmer since the, the air had been blowing, but, of course, the truck is off and everything. And I remember just laying down there and trying to sleep but having nightmares about coyotes coming up to, you know, eating us alive and, you know, your little kid and all that stuff. But it wasn't too long ago, it was probably 10 or 12 years ago, so that would have probably put me, what, around, you know, 12, 14. Uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, I was hunting with my dad, he come up, he's like, hey, let's go coyote hunting, and I was like, okay. Uh, so, anyway, I got in the in the truck with him, and, and we drove out, and we were on the ranch, and, and he's blowing on his cow call, rawr, 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 and, and, and I'm working the spotlight, and anyway, he's like, so I turned the spotlight on and I start shining around and sure enough there's a coat. And he's like, Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So I turned it off. And he starts kind of blowing on a little little more. We kinda of wait a second. He goes, Turn it back on. Turned it back on and couldn't see it anymore. Thought, ah, oh, he's winded us or something. But we kept we kept going and I turned it on a couple of more times and never did seem and and dad kinda of whispered to me, he's like, Hey, we're just going to be real quiet for just a second and then we'll turn it back on. So we're standing out there and my teeth are chattering because I'm cold. And uh, I'll never forget I'm standing there and, and I'm facing north. And I'm cold and all of a sudden I feel the truck go. And I flipped on the light and I turned it behind me and that cow had snuck around behind us and he had gone up and he jumped on the back of the truck. Now, I don't mean like into the truck, but he'd put his front paws up on the tailgate that was down to see what kind of dead rabbit was in the back of this deal. Well, there wasn't a dead rabbit, but there was one, there was something that had pooped its pants in the back of the pickup, okay? There was something that was dead, but it, it was it was me because my heart nearly stopped. Now, I'm not afraid of coyotes, but there is a difference in standing where you can't even see the nose on your face and you flip on a bright light and shine it behind you and there's a coyote, you know, you know four feet away looking at you, so uh, luckily I had the spotlight instead of the gun. I didn't know whether to scream or throw it at him cuz if I'd have had a gun dad's tailgate would have been uh, had some holes in it. But in Philippians chapter 3 starting in verse 1, Paul talks about some coyotes. Okay? Now your your version is probably not going to use the word coyotes. But the version that I'm going to read you does, and your, my version that I'm going to read doesn't match your version because my version is a simplified cowboy version, and I wrote this about four days ago, okay? So I know yours doesn't say what mine says, but I encourage you to open up Philippians chapter 3 and follow along and see if it doesn't say something pretty close. Philippians 3, 1 through 3, actually 1 through 4. Uh, Paul says, listen, cowboys, throw your frowns in the fire. And be glad about what God has done for you. I know y'all have heard it before and you'll hear it again and again. I will drill it in your heads for your own good. Man, in the very opening couple of sentences, he said, this isn't going to be anything that you've heard that you haven't heard before. This isn't brand new. I'm going to be telling you this over and over and over because it's important, it's important, it's important. Okay? He says in verse 2, keep a sharp out uh, I did that in the first service too. Keep a sharp eye out for those coyotes, those charlatans, those scissor-wielding pickle clippers. True, now, now y'all get to go home and tell your kids what that means. Okay? Uh, true circumcision comes from worshiping God in the Spirit. That means relying on what Jesus did instead of what we can do. We have no confidence in ourselves, but all the confidence in the world, in God. If I wanted to rely on who I was, all I'd have to do is show y'all my pedigree. If others think they are papered well, well, I'm papered better, I assure you. Okay. So Paul talks about three types of coyotes right there in four verses that he says, keep a sharp eye out for these types of coyotes. Okay? They're 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 dangerous, they're mischievous, man. They'll circle around you. He talks about those that those types of coyotes that, that that put a put their faith in protocol, in rituals. He talks about those types of coyotes that put their faith in their own performance. Okay, so you got protocols, you got performance, and then he says, beware of those that put their faith in their pedigrees instead of. Relying on God, and speaking of pedigrees, Paul goes on to talk about that, and i just I, I I love this ver these few verses starting in verse five of Philippians chapter three. He says, "My pickle was clipped at just eight days old i 've got Hebrew on the top and Hebrew on the bottom that goes all the way back to Benjamin. Nobody has more than that. I belong to the Pharisees. We kept the letter of the law better than anyone. I was an ardent defender." Of the law. I was a religious bully. And hurt a lot of people. That didn't do things the way I did them. I justified. Everything I did. Because I felt like I was right with God. Because I followed rules. Really good. That's what he says coyotes do. man. They put their faith in protocol. Instead of Jesus. They put their their faith in their own performance. Instead of Jesus. And they put their faith in pedigrees instead of a personal savior. But why does Paul warn us about these types of men and women? Because that old coyote is crafty, that's why. He warns us. He said, man, this isn't anything that you've heard before. I'm going to warn you about religion. I'm going to worry. I'm going to warn you about those religious people, okay? Those religious people are crafty. That old coyote is crafty. He will circle around and get downwind of you. He will come in behind you when the lights are off. And before you can know it, he'll put his feet up on the tailgate of your truck. Before you know it, he's watching you shave in the morning. Before you know it, they're wearing your favorite dress. And before you know it, that coyote, that crafty old coyote, is sitting at a church service with a list of who they think fit these descriptions, with a list of other coyotes running through their head. And before you know it, that old coyote is looking through your eyes and speaking through your mouth. That's why Paul warns us. He's not just so that we can judge others on what they do. He's telling us to warn us not to do these things. And some of you might be saying, well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't necessarily do that, okay? I don't put my faith in protocols or rituals. I don't put my faith in performance. And I don't really put my faith in my pedigree. I'm not even Jewish, you know? I'm great. I, I'm not even papered, Okay. But we do do it all the time, and that devil is sneaky. I titled this, The Coyote Within, because a coyote relies on protocol. You know, uh, this ritualistic type religion is... I saw it best whenever uh, we went to Israel. You know, first time was was me and Ty, another group of us went uh, later, and I don't remember if we saw it on the second trip or not, but when me and Ty and Gary and Sherry and Rick and Sandy went, we walked into the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Now, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher has the crucifixion spot right here. Down below it is a, is a stone that they supposedly cleaned Jesus up on and wrapped him in, in, in the linen cloth. And then right over here is the, is the tomb. That they buried him in, and I mean if you you can stand at the crucifixion spot and, and Jay can tell you you can stand at the uh, crucifixion spot, and if you had a pretty good arm on you, you could throw a football to the tomb i mean it 's all right there under one large building okay, but whenever we were there the first time, me and ty and, and, and the rest of us had just made it through the uh seeing the tomb we 'd gone in and it 's just a little bitty room, and you look through a glass. At a rock that's sitting on top of another rock that was where Jesus was buried, and so we had just come out and we were standing. I was standing over by the stone, and all of a sudden they shut everything down. I was like, "What's going on?" And the, the, this 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 priest come out, and and he had he had one of those smokers right on a chain, and he was kind of doing some praying and chanting. And so he came out, and they shut everything down. And he walks into the tomb, and he smokes the tomb. And then he comes back out and he consecrates or smokes the little the 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 rock that I'm standing by, and, and then he goes upstairs and he and he smokes the crucifixion part, right? And, and, that, and then, boy, when they talk about incense, they ain't talking about a Yankee candle, okay? Boy, this stuff was stout, right? And so uh, anyway, he got done, and and I really did. I thought it was very beautiful. I mean, we, we here at Save the Cowboy are pretty laid back, but there is something to be said about about ancient ceremonies. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I thought it was a beautiful demonstration of consecration and, and other things that I probably don't even know that it symbolizes, right? And I thought, that was awesome. And then another dude came out from a different denomination, and I don't know if they were playing rock, paper, scissors in the back to see who got to go first, but the second dude come out, and he had his smoker. And he walked into the tomb, and he smokes the tomb, and he walks over there, and he smokes the 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 rock and then he goes up there and he smokes the crucifixion spot cuz i guess the first fellow smoke you know didn't do a good enough job or something i don't know and so anyway i was like wow they're they're going to do this twice because it was one did not there's like three denominations in there and one did it and then the next one did it and i, I was like man this is taking a long time and then there's a pass of people building up that wanted to see it and it was already a crowded place and I thought, man, I'm glad that's over because I'm starting to get asthmatic in here. Because, I mean, it's it's smoky now. And then a third group come out and they had to do their own smoking. And so they they, they did that. And, and by this time, I'm wondering to myself, is there any meaning behind this? I mean, to, to do the same thing over and over and over. But yet I think that we do that all the time. And Jesus, Jesus reminded us not to do that in Matthew 6-7 when he said, Man, beware of those people that, that perform vain repetitions when they do stuff just because that's what they think that they're supposed to do. There has no meaning behind it. it it's recorded also that the one time Jesus made a bull whip, which I think is really cool in cowboy that Jesus sat down and made a bull whip, you know. And, and he chased people off the, out of the temple because instead of bringing a sacrifice, the finest that they had to offer God, something that they raised, they were coming in, throwing a quarter down, getting a pigeon, and taking it in there as their sacrifice. They were making a mockery of the sacrificial system. So you want to get on Jesus' bad side, if that's possible, make a mockery out of the, with doing stuff just because that's what he said to do. Okay, but we do that all the time. How about this right here? How many of us say a prayer before we eat? I mean, I, I know people that are, that are just purely religious. They won't take a bite to eat without saying a prayer. But, you know, I mean, I'm teaching my, my two kids from China. I, I taught them that little prayer that you teach little kids. You know, thank you, God, for this food. Help us to be kind and good. You know, uh, I teach them that. But that was just to kind of introduce them to a concept, but now I've stopped doing it because they know it so well now that they just say it. It doesn't have any meaning. They don't ask me, what does it mean? So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with praying before you eat, but has it become ritualistic? Has it lost its meaning? Because I think it would be better that you didn't pray than to make a mockery of a sacred act such as thanking God for our food or going to Him in prayer How about this one? Man, I I knew two guys a long time ago that on the day of their graduation, they were brothers. On the day of their graduation, which means they were in the same grade, they got a medal at a church. I was there. I saw it. From the time they started kindergarten until their graduation, they had never missed a day of Sunday school not one time, perfect attendance. I didn't even know it was a, I didn't even know we could get a buckle for it, okay? Nobody, nobody had that on the list of accomplishments, but these two guys performed it. But at the same time, I, maybe they should have gone a little more often because I didn't go very often and they acted the same as I did and they was there every single Sunday, okay? And and that's where we get that, that just, we just go because that's what we do. We We shouldn't, Pat ourselves on the back for going to church every Sunday or never missing Sunday school or anything like that. Why don't we give thanks that we grow every day instead of just go one day? OK, now I'm not saying I think I think this type of setting and what y'all are doing online and listening on the radio. I think it's very important. It's where we call the play. It's where we meet together. And, and, and Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together as are in the habit of doing. But let's not make it a ritual. Let's come to God, not in a protocol way, but in a way where where it means something. The second way that that old coyote gets in us is, is when, we, when we start thinking that God judges us based upon our performance. And, and just like Paul said when he said, I'm going to drill it into your head time and time and time and time again. Well, I'm going to drill this into your head time and, time and time and time and time again. Okay? How many ways are there to get to heaven? Good. Four of you knew it. Okay? The rest of you listen up. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Now, there, there's a lot of people that'll get off onto some bunny trails. Well, what about this and what about that? Well, you ain't them and you ain't that. You've heard the gospel and you have a choice of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you quit worrying about everybody else and you know that you have one way through Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one way to get to heaven and that is through the narrow gate. But how many ways are there to get to hell? One. One. That's it. You only get to heaven with faith in Jesus Christ, and the only way you get to hell is if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. It ain't rocket science. But religion sure makes it that way. Now, a lot of you say, well, what about sin? What part does sin play in it? Now, sin does play a part in it, okay? Because if we are to follow that narrow trail, we got to be able to see Jesus, and we got to be able to follow Him. We got to be able to hear from Him, and we got to be able to talk to Him, right? Well, it's kind of like using a cell phone in Albert County, okay? Sin makes it where it drops calls, man. You know, you, you, you can be talking on the phone, but when you get to Kiowa and you drop down that hill, it's gone, okay? That's called Sin Hill, coming down there, right? And there's usually a popo sitting there waiting on you, right there, and and, and the what I call the gauntlet over here uh, by the fairgrounds, the fairground gauntlet. You ever seen those seals that have to swim out through the sharks to get out to open sea? That's the way we have to do <laughs> coming down the road fairgrounds. But anyway, that's besides the point. Sin, what it makes it do is it makes us hard to hear God, man. It, it makes us hard to see Him. You know, we FaceTime in God and the call drops. And, and we're like, oh, man, you know, it dropped again. We try to call back and go straight to voicemail. Somebody texts you and you text them back and they don't text you back. You know they saw it, right? I mean, there's all of these things, but sin gets in the way of us talking to God, of knowing God, of seeing Him, uh, of hearing what He wants us to do, right? But the point is, is that there's only one way to heaven. And it's not how good you are, it's did you ask Jesus to be your Savior? Did you ask Jesus to be your Savior? When God looks at you, is He going to see His Son inside of you? That's the only requirement. If it is, He's like, come on in. If not, He's going to say, hey, man, you need to go through that door over there. And you don't want to go through that door over there. Okay? If you can't do anything to get get into heaven, you can't do anything to get into hell. The requirement is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no performance. You're not measured on anything except whether Jesus is in your heart. Remember, Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. There's a vast difference in there. The Christian life is not a goal It's a journey. And on this journey, you're going to make some great progress sometimes. And sometimes you're going to sit down and and just lean up against a tree. Maybe because you're tired or maybe because God said, hey, man, take a break. You're going to take some wrong turns and that's okay. Okay? That's fine. But Christianity is a journey with God, not a goal. Okay? You're, You're never going to be a successful Christian. You're either a Christian or... You're not. And speaking of that, Paul talked about the coyote of pedigree. Are you a Christian because you were raised in church? I mean, I I, seriously, I talk to people about that. I say, are you a Christian? They say, yeah, I was raised in church. And I'm like, that's not what, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I've been in about a thousand different pastures and I'm not a cow. Okay? There's a difference. Going to church does not save you. Jesus saves you. The point of church is us to point you towards the only one that can save you. You can't go to church and get saved. You go to Jesus to get saved. Are you a Christian because your grandmother was a good Christian and raised you? I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. My, my, my grandma and granddad, well, they, was, they was fine Christian folk. Well, good for them. I'll see them in heaven, will you? You can't rely on your pedigree. You can't rely on what your mom and daddy did. Okay? It's, it's, it's not going to work paul said man i 'm a <laughs> my papers are stacked, man. I got Hebrew on the top and bottom goes all the way back to Benjamin, dude you can 't get more pedigree than me, but God don 't look at papers, man. He looks at what 's in your heart. all that 's good and well. We know what a coyote is now. We know it 's somebody that depends on rituals or protocols to be saved or people that 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 want to pat themselves on the back for performance." Or better yet, maybe they don't pat themselves on the back for performance. Maybe they've given up because they said, I can't be a good enough Christian for God. Those people are coyotes too. Because it has nothing to do with performance. It has to do with following Jesus. And your journey's going to be different than my journey. And my journey's different than Ty's journey. And Ty's journey is different than Abe's journey. So how do we go from coyote to cowboy? I'm going to show you how right here. I'm going to give you five things real quick. I'm only going to talk about them for like 30 minutes each. So it'll be quick. I'm going to read you Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. And I want you to see if you can find where Paul says that you can go from coyote to cowboy. What I once thought was my crowning achievement, I now think of as dung. What I can do is worthless compared to what Jesus did. The only thing in life that is is important is knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Because of Him, I have left everything behind. I left my former life like garbage waiting on the fly wagon. You have to lose everything if you are to gain Christ. This is the only way to become one with Him and ride for His brand. I no longer believe that I am right with God because I can obey rules. I am right with God because I have faith in what Jesus did for me. Following rules won't get you right with the boss. Only faith can do that. I don't want to just ride for the Lord. I want to know Him. This means experiencing the same things He did. I want to know the power of being brought back from the dead. I even want to suffer like he did so I can know the death he endured. Whether it be knowing his life or knowing his death, I will know Jesus and I will be raised from the dead on that day. That's what it means to go from coyote to cowboy. Because that's what Paul did. He said, I went from coyote and now I'm a cowboy that rides for the Lord. He said five things in there. Number one, he said, if you want to go from coyote to cowboy, you got to know Jesus, okay? you got to know him, and you ain't going to know him with a big bunch of sin in your life, man. You ain't going to know him. you got to get rid of that because that gets in the way. I'm not saying it's impossible because he forgives those sins, but, man, if you are living in sin, that's what's going to happen, man. It's going to be hard to see him. It's going to be hard to talk to him. It's going to be hard to hear from him. It's going to be hard to follow him. you got to know Jesus, not heard about Jesus. You don't, Jesus doesn't want you to be a fan of His. He wants you to be a follower of His. There's a big difference. Number two, Jesus said, you got to leave your old life behind. Man, you can't follow Christ and live like you used to before you knew Him. Th- those two things are, are, are opposites, man. You, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven you got to take your choice. And believe me, whether or not you believe it, you are making a choice. You, you can't continue to live that old life and follow Jesus at the same time. It doesn't work. He said, no man can serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. The third thing that he said is you've got to become one with him and ride for the brand. Here's the deal, man. There ain't no good Christians or bad Christians. You know, we talk about all the time, what's a real cowboy? Well, I, I don't. I don't know. The, only, the best I can come up with is cowboys do cowboy stuff, okay? Cowboys do cowboy stuff, and, and, and that might be keeping the culture alive. That might be living by a code, okay? That, that might mean, uh, you know, whatever your experience level and, and the things that you have available to you to do to keep the cowboy way of life alive. Same goes with Christianity, I don't think that there's an algorithmic deal that we can say a good Christian does this right here. A good Christian follows Jesus. Now, that's going to look vastly different than everybody else. But if you want to ride for the brand, cowboys do cowboy stuff and Christians do Christian stuff. And the main stuff that Christians do is they follow Jesus. And I tell you what, if you're saying, well, you know, that's me. Man, if this verse don't scare you, I don't know what will. Jesus said one time, he said, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Man, you want to talk about the knife that just cuts through the, through the hot butter of our excuses? Think about that. Do you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If you call me Lord, then why don't you do what I say? That's tough. Number four, we got to rely on what Jesus did, not what we can do. Okay? You got to rely on what Jesus did. You can't work yourself into heaven. And if you can't work yourself into heaven, you can't work yourself out, per se. You can't quit worrying about how well you did it and start thanking God for what He did for you. And number five, you've got to experience what Jesus did. Think about that. Man, if you're going to follow somebody, if you were to follow me and Ty on a cattle gathering and you were going to follow right behind us, we can't go down a hill and you stay up there and say, well, I'm still following you, I'm just going to stay right here, because I'm scared of that hill. No, if you follow us down, you're going to follow us down. If we cross a river, you're going to cross a river. I mean, it's one of those things. You've got to experience what Jesus did. What are four things that he experienced? How about this one? The first two are good. He said, my peace I leave with you. Man, you want to experience the peace of Jesus? That peace that surpasses all understanding. He said, man, it's available to you. If you want to follow him, you get that. How about this? Number two, he said, I give you abundant life. That doesn't mean the length and brevity of life. It means purpose in life, meaning in life, abundance of life. And if you're sitting there going, well, I'd rather, I really don't care about having peace. And, you know, I mean, I really don't have an abundant life. Then maybe you're at the wrong spot. Okay. Because, I mean, it don't get no better than that other than eternal life, which we get also. We get to experience just like Jesus did. He gives you peace and He gives you abundance. But you can't have one without the other. You can't have the good without the grievous. Jesus also said, take up your cross and follow me daily. And you've got to die to self. You've got to put down that ego, that's, that pride that's infiltrated all of our lives. We've got to trade it in for a life of humility. That doesn't mean that we think of our, of less of ourselves, that we're no good. We just put other people before us. Jesus said, man, you do it that way, I'll lift you up. Instead of you trying to climb up on top of people, why don't you put other people in front of you and let me lift you up? And I will on that day. Take up your cross and follow me. He also said, if they hate me, they'll, if they hate you, they'll hate me first. Man, if you're going to stand up in this world for Jesus Christ, you're going to stand out. And when you stand out, you're going to have a bullseye on your back for the devil and all of his followers. And judging by the looks of how many people are here today, that old devil's got a bunch of them, okay? You know He does. When you stand up, you stand out. And when you stand out, you need the full armor of God that we talked about last week. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, all of those things. You want to go from coyote to cowboy? Coyotes rely on protocol, performance, and pedigrees to save them. But cowboys, they want to know Jesus. They leave their old lives behind. They become one with Him and they ride for the brand. They do what Christians are supposed to do and what Christians are supposed to do is what Jesus said to do. We rely on what Jesus did, not what we can do. And we experience the life that Jesus did. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank You for sending Your Son to do what we couldn't, which is save ourselves. While we are eternally grateful for Your precious gift, I want to pray right now for the one listening that has started to backslide, to fall away. The one that has hopped a couple of fences and run off. Let us all rededicate ourselves every single day, not just on a few Sundays. And show us what it's like to ride for the greatest brand the world has ever known. And that's the brand of Jesus Christ. That's branded on our heart when we call on him as Lord and Savior. God, give us the courage and the will to follow you and do what you say. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.